Welcome back to another episode of Real Talk, Michigan edition. Jeff here. Dan, what's going on, man? Oh, good, buddy. How are you doing? Good, good. Still in my hotel in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, LSU County. But other than that, I'm good, man. Good. Watching football, podcasting, being alone. That's uh, <laughs> that's pretty much my mojo for the last 10-ish days. But other than that, how are you? Man, I, I tell you what, at... Uh... Uh, I don't know what it is, man. Like all season, I'm always tired during the week just because I'm watching, staying up watching the games, and I can't recover ever. It seems like because Monday I stay up and watch the game. Day I'm barely right here. Wednesday, Thursday comes around, I barely recover. Friday, and then the weekends here, and we all know what happens on the weekend. So I'm just a, I'm a walking zombie Monday through Friday. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, the one thing that I have taken advantage of being in the hotel is like. If there's no football on, betterly, like nine o'clock almost. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm just like sleeping it off. So I am catching up, so to speak. But mm. as you alluded to, I stayed up all night Sunday, which central time, by the way, Gucci for football. Gucci yeah. for football. Yeah, we started <laughs> we started an hour earlier. Um, so like sun, Sunday night I was up all night, Monday night I was up all night, and then obviously these nights are podcast nights. Tomorrow I'll probably be in bed. Oh no, football. <laughs> yeah. So say <laughs> Well, hey, uh, let me let me ask you this: Are you, are you going to be there this weekend too? I think the it's hard to say because like the timetables are not like identical. Like we have a job to do. Here's what we have to get accomplished. So it's kind of hard to say when we'll be done. But we think we'll be traveling Saturday. Say because if you were there for the weekend, then Sunday, I think think the London game will start at eight for you rather than yeah. Nine. Yeah, yeah, like literally wake up and all of a sudden football. That'd yeah. be oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, to to be honest, I'm hoping, hoping I'm home Sunday so I can uh, be in my own place and watching some football in my own house. So we'll see. Yeah. Who knows? But uh, talking about football, Michigan took care of business against Maryland this past week. Um, you know, I. <laughs> I think this game went very similar to kind of how we had talked. Um, even the, the points scored and stuff, I, I predicted 40 to 20. So it was a little less for Michigan, a little more for Maryland, but also it was kind of the same point total for Maryland that we had talked that we were pretty much okay with 27 might've been a little high, but ultimately I thought from what I did not watch the game live. I got, I was getting updates from you and then I was able to watch a, a full long, um, recap and then i was able to watch the entire second half on a rerun obviously i've i've heard my fair share from this week and I, i've looked at the stat column but my biggest takeaway is we're one and oh in the big 10 and that's a pretty good maryland team what are your thoughts before we get into the actual game stuff what are your thoughts about maryland and stuff like that yeah maryland i i, I think they're for real and you know we, we talked about it last week they got they got every all their offensive linemen back all five returned them that I learned in the pre in the when they were doing the uh, when Joel Clay and Gus Johnson are going through the lineups, you know, in the opening drive, you know, two of those guys are going to be NFL ready. It sounds like one of their guards and one of their tackles. Um, you know, Tago obviously is is the the focal point here, and he he's poised for a big year, man. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot because their defense is kind of in the back nine there in the in the conference, um, probably middle of the pack in terms of the country. Um, they like I said last week, man, they got. As many receivers as Michigan does in terms of um, 
you know, and they, they showed with that. They utilized at least four or five guys last Saturday and their one, two combo of the running backs, um, uh, Hemby and, uh, uh Littleton, Littleton, Littleton you yeah. know, they're a nice little combo there. And, you know, they, the stat column doesn't show that they were effective, but if you watch the game, it seemed like they were gashing Michigan at times. But again, I think they were averaging like 3.8 yards a carry. So I'll take it at one, you know, seven days of the week. But, you know, Maryland, uh, I think, is going to go out there and it's surpri- it keeps surprising people. And they got Michigan State because this coming up week, Michigan State's secondary is still ass. I think Taco's going to be probably like expected or should be uh, putting up even a better game than he did this past Saturday. <clears throat> yeah, so going into last weekend, uh, maybe two weekends ago, going into the season, I think a lot of people projected it would be Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, and potentially Penn State on the East. Um, I think Michigan State's I don't think it's arguable. I think they've definitely slid down. They're probably out of that discussion right now. Do you think Maryland's in that discussion, or is this just like, eh, they're there, but they're not really in the top three? What What are your takes there? I, I think if they go out and put up a, a, a good performance this weekend against the Spartans, I think it'll open more eyes. I think they're, I think they kind of, uh, I think kind of woken up a little of the of the people that might have been downplaying them a little bit, but. I think if they go out there and, and beat Michigan State by 14 points, maybe 17, I think you've got to really take them seriously. And, you know, they they, they could make a push for third in the East. Um, and I'm not saying they're, they, they're going to win. They, they have no chance really at winning the division, but definitely think they could make a case for third, possibly second. Who knows how, and, you know, you know, their defense, again, it's got a lot of work to do, but um, they're going to make they're going to make people earn it on Saturdays. What is more true about Saturday's game? Maryland lost to a very good Big Ten team or Michigan beat a very good Big Ten team? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, it was a little deceiving. I mean, that last touchdown was, I say garbage time, but Michigan was playing a, a rotation where they had some starters in and some two and three deeps in. So I, I think the score is a little skewed. Um, might have a little bit of a different flavor with this conversation if it was, you know, not 34-27, right? 34-19 uh, or the hell it was. Yeah. Um, or 34-20, whatever. Uh, or no, they got the two-point conversion, so it was 19. It was, it was 19. It was 19. They got the two-point conversion, right. Um, a little bit of both, man. I know Michigan's defense obviously isn't as good as last year, and I think the front four – had some hot and cold going on Saturday. So I think, Mar- I, I don't know, I just meet me in the middle there. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I somewhat agree. I, when we talked before the season started in the, in the, pre, the, pre, uh, the preview show, sorry, I wasn't going to fall into that Maryland trap again. I had been on that mm-hmm. trap for two years and kind of tooting their horn, and they just hadn't really produced. But this year starting 3-0 and and – they definitely didn't roll over in the big house. They definitely showed up and, and came to play. And I, I, I think there's something there. Mm. I think just to the party or maybe a little early to the party, so to speak, but um, Michigan overall, I think played a fine game. I mean, anytime that you win a, um, a big 10 game and you score 34 points, 
man, it's, it's really tough to just kind of like nitpick these games. And I didn't want to already start the whole Michigan's, um, whatever that was last year where they were winning ugly, so to speak. I didn't want to already start that train because I didn't think this was an ugly win by any means. You know, um, mm-hmm. last year, their first big 10 game was against Rutgers and they won that 20 to 13. That one was kind of a little, a little ugly, a little rough. I didn't, I didn't think that this one got to that point. Um, it was 10, 10 after the first quarter, it was 17, 13 after the first half, 17, 13 after three quarters. And then it was 34, 27. They scored 17 points to close them out. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna beat them up. I think the defense was probably something that we had a lot of questions on. Mm-hmm. Is it fair to say we still have questions, or do you think that that was just a really good Maryland team? Like, where are we at there? I wasn't I impressed with the defense. I don't think you were either, right? Right. I, I there's probably I have a little bit of reservation here on our on our run defense. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think, I think with Iowa coming up, I know Iowa's offense is, is, uh, is absolutely you know, atrocious. Um, so I, I think that we probably will find out a little bit more about Michigan, uh, this coming up Saturday, but, um, but yeah, man, I, I the, definitely the defense is probably gonna be more word. And, you know, you know, we were texting in the group chat. Uh, from our fantasy football league and Shane, you know, one of our more pessimistic Lions fans, you know, yeah. was was complaining all day that the Michigan receivers weren't getting open and no one was getting separation. And uh, you know, that may may or not be the case, but Joel Clapp broke it down really well on his YouTube channel. Um, you know, it the JJ wasn't really taking what the defense was giving him. Probably should have looked down more uh on the checkdowns to the tight ends, doing uh crossing routes in the in the seams and the hitches and uh you know Maryland was just daring them to throw the ball, and that's why you know Blake Horn went off. But uh, but yeah, um, I mean I have a few more things, but go ahead. Uh, what was your take? No, I mean that, that's where I was. I the yeah. thing that I was most I, I was really worried about the back end. Yeah, because it had not truly been tested through three games. Like nobody was passing on Michigan. Mm-hmm. In the first three games, they obviously they beat Colorado State, UConn, and Hawaii. I mean, there's just not a lot of quarterback talent there. So I was a little nervous that that Maryland could exploit that. And I think for the most part, they didn't. I mean, they, he was 20 of 30 for 200 yards, one touchdown, two picks. I think Michigan played pretty well in the back end, I guess, all things considered. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not horrific. They did have two interceptions, one of them probably – close um Mm. i felt it definitely could have stood but they didn't even review it which was kind of weird i didn't think that was even a thing i thought they always reviewed turnovers but regardless um yeah i don't know i the pass rush needs a lot of work when mike sanders still is a corner and leads the team in sacks with two you're you're only getting pressure from setting blitzes and is that really the way to beat – I hate to be that guy, but what are you doing to beat Ohio State today? Is that how you're going to beat Ohio State? Because I don't I don't think so. Would you agree there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, when I'm watching the game, uh, even uh, 
Gus Johnson or maybe Joel Klatt says, or it was on Twitter somewhere I've seen it where someone pointed out when run, when Maryland would run the ball, it seems like a lot of the Michigan defenders there, whoever is in front of the ball here, they waited for them to come to them rather than make the attack. And it, and it was almost giving them like a free four or five yards a pop. And so that was kind of weird to see that. You know, Mozzie Smith didn't play. There was times where he was he was getting double teamed and, and he was a non-factor. But there's other times where he literally would just swim move the center and he was already in the backfield. And he actually, I think, got a sack for one of those cases. So I think he did his job. Um, a uh, couple more things before I go to the quarterback. Uh, there's three sequences that I really thought in kickoff that I really thought game in Michigan's favor. Um, one of them was uh, the C.J. Stokes fumble. Michigan gets a, a defensive stop at that midfield, which was absolutely huge. The D.J. Turner interception that didn't get overturned, that should have got overturned. Who knows what kind of game that is. And then, I, I, I wouldn't just pound the chest that it should have got overturned. I thought it was really close. Because, obviously, it's called interception on the field. I wouldn't have been crazy to see that actually held up. And then third, uh, the fourth down with Blake Corn bouncing the outside and scoring right before halftime. That was absolutely freaking huge. Like, got wind in our sails. So I think those three were were, were monumental for sure. Um, well, you kind of missed one. The first that? play of the game was the the. That's muff- what I said. I said other than that. Oh, other sorry. Than sorry. Okay. Yeah, no, no, you're good. I said other than that, but yeah. And then, uh, real quick, the quarterback thing. Um, yeah, I kind of run my course with JJ. No, go take as long as you want here. With 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 the Cade thing, that's why a lot of us, including me, you and I, we we, we wanted and we prefer, I don't want to say preferred Cade, but we liked Cade under center because never took over necessary you know, unnecessary risks, um, protected the football. And here, man, JJ is did two scrambles this past Saturday that. Kind of reminiscent of last year in East Lansing, scrambling yes. around forever like he's playing NFL blitz. Yeah, he fumbled. He fumbled the ball twice, and then the one fumble. I mean, both of those lucky they had players to recover it. And you do that on the road, especially at Kinnick, man. The game, hands down. You let and, the crowd into it, and then it's over with. Absolutely, and you know Jenny Taff was sideline reporting, and she said that she spoke to JJ about it coming out of the tunnel, and JJ mentioned to her apparently that. And he's like, I understand that got to be protected. And I put, he's like, but if it comes down to it, I'm going to do what I have to do or what I feel is necessary to, to make the play. But you, you, you can't be doing that, man. Especially, like, I don't mind the rolling out. They're throwing the ball or maybe, you know, getting the most out of it, maybe losing one or two yards. I'll take that. Rather than you roll out one way, then you roll again the way you just came from. And then when that last fumble – he was like 15 yards out. It's like, dude, get rid of the ball. And so that was just making me a little irritated and a little nervous. And, and I tell you, I mean, obviously, K doesn't have that athleticism to run around forever like that. So maybe that's limiting him. But that just makes me so nervous for these road games, especially in Columbus, man. Well, I mean, and I'm, I'm going to piggyback on what you said kind of earlier in the, in the stand about J.J., yeah, we definitely thought Cade would win the job and thought he was probably the best guy for the job right now because, like, 
you might score more with JJ, but you're not going to give up more because you're not going to give up those opportunities of those turnovers. The big sack that he took on, I think it was third and third and something. He took that big sack to set up for down, kind of pushed him out of field goal range. And then the two fumbles, thankfully, none of them were lost on his end, at least. But the laxy daisy protection of the football cannot happen. It, it cannot happen. And everybody wanted to pound their chest for JJ, but against a good Maryland team, I don't know how great they are, but against a good Maryland team, he was effective passing. He was 18 of 26, 220 to two touchdowns. But on the ground, he was five carries for five yards and two fumbles. None were lost, thankfully, but he still coughed those balls up. So call him what you want. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to say it, but it just mm. you, you can't fumble the football there. And the more I look at it, I think this QB battle was probably a little closer than what everybody saw in that Hawaii game. And that's probably why Harbaugh struggled to put him out there. And he defended him on um, on John Jansen's show. Um, I, I just read the clip basically saying, like, he thought J.J. played really good football, even though he had kind of um, carelessly given the ball up twice. Thankfully, mm-hmm. teammates had fun fell on it but he thought he played really good football and to be fair he probably did mm-hmm. but no no i don't want to listen to a, a hit on jj pod but um outside of that i thought joe clatt nailed some really good points and one of them was um on jj one of them was on the fact that michigan was kind of almost given that game in 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 certain ways um obviously right from the get the the, the fumbled kickoff return uh the interception that could or couldn't have been by dj turner as you alluded to and had blake quorum not played his best game as a michigan wolverine would you agree to disagree with i I think that was his best game personally Mm -hmm. um we'll talk more about that in a little bit but i don't know there was just a lot of things that like that mission needed to happen that they like they got so Mm. Definitely could have been a loss. Um, I have nothing more. We can go into like, dislike, unless you got something else. Nope, let's do it. What'd you like? Um, I like the physicality of the defense. I know at times, you know, they they uh, they bent a little bit, but they didn't break. You know, the secondary getting the interception, R.J. Moten, finally, I mentioned last week, yep. he needs to start getting, he's the, to come down with them, and he had a great tip. Tip drilled to himself. That was phenomenal. Um, Jesse Minner making halftime adjustments. They held them to zero points until I think like eight minutes ago in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, man, I, I did. They got three sacks and four pressures. So, seeing more, but not to be greedy. They 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 improved over the last couple of weeks with uh, the pressure at least, and it's not where you want it to be, but uh, it's in the step in the right direction. I have a couple of names here for different reasons. Um, Junior Colson, 14 tackles. He was literally everywhere on Saturday. Um, Shows up in the stat sheet. Um, Mike Sanders still might be the best defensive player on this team 
I'm not even kidding. I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that. Eight tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss on Saturday. For a guy that was kind of like a big play wide receiver, it is shocking how good he's been through four games. He deserves all his flowers. And then last but not least, one reason that I loved Hassan so much and that I struggled to kind of wrap my arms around Blake so much, and one reason I was kind of on the hype train for Donovan, I did not think Blake Corum had Saturday's game in him. I did not think he could take 30 carries in a game. Did not see that coming. I thought his peak was probably 15 to 18 carries in a game. And it seemed like, (laughs) if this is even possible, every carry he got, he got better. I mean, his 30th carry went for 30 yards and a touchdown, right? Yeah. I remember remember texting you when I was giving you the, when I, when you asked for updates, I was getting you play by play updates. You were too, by the way, clutch updates. If you ever want text updates (laughs) from somebody, ask Dan, I'm not talking like seven Oh, after first quarter, I'm getting in deep in depth. Literally. This is what happened. Oh, Blake to the outside for 20 yards. Another big, like I'm getting in depth stuff. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, man, let's go. But you know you're right. He, I mean, it was like 15 yards, 10 yards, 20 yards. He was just ripping them off and up the middle, man. It, uh, yeah. I, I don't want to steal your thunder there on your on your on your uh, segment, but no, man, he was no. Uh, go ahead. He he was firing them off, man. And now I was I was fired up uh, texting you that too. He he was my he was my number one. I wanted to obviously highlight those other two, but I I truly and I was arguing with somebody on, um. I, I never comment on the the Michigan Facebook pages because those fans can be super toxic. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I seen was somebody said that Michigan couldn't go deep with this team because they were missing Hassan Haskins. And as you know, I love Hassan Haskins. I will beat my chest for him. He deserves all the flowers. I would take a bullet for the man. But don't tell me that after this weekend, you're downing what Blake Corum can do. 30 carries for 243 and two touchdowns. We're not talking he busted off a 99-yarder. No, 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 no. No, sir. He was busting off multiple 10, 15, 20-yard runs, including that deep one in the fourth quarter. Um, I thought Blake Corum was every bit of a Heisman candidate after Saturday. And his stat padding five touchdowns two weeks ago, that carried no weight compared to this game. I thought he was incredible. 30 carries. That is just, yeah. Holy hell. I'm hyped for Blake. I think that we have something here. Oh, for sure. Disliked. And I'll, I'll start here. Um, three F and fumbles. You know, you talked about a couple weeks ago, how Mike Hart, Mike, Mike Hart has basically taken this team and wrapped his arms around him and said, listen, guys, if there's one thing we're not going to do, that's that's give the ball up. We're not going to put the ball in the grass. C.J. Stokes, you're young. It, obviously, he was kind of thrust into this role with Donovan Edwards being out. And I think that played into the fact that Blake got 30 carries. I do not think that Harbaugh went into this game saying, I'm going to give Blake Corm 30 carries. I think he thought, I'm going to give Blake 20 and maybe C.J. 10. But C.J.'s one carry, he coughed the ball up. That's sorry. You're not going to play in big 10 play. If you're coughing the ball, that's not the time or place. He was instantly yanked. And unfortunately, JJ's kind of back into that East Lansing, as you alluded to. 
Um, one more thing before I pass it to you. Little to no pass rush if it's not manufactured. Kind of scary for me. Um, Mike Sanders still has had one of the two sacks. And again, that's a manufactured pressure. You're not that basic out of the front. Kind of scary, but what you got? Yeah, I, I, I kind of piggybacked on it or alluded to earlier. Um, it was it's just the JJ stuff. Yeah. I just, other than, other than um, rolling around like the longest yard, I think um, and you did a little bit better than I thought this past Saturday too. Is is just sliding, getting out of bounds, avoiding the big hits because right now, or behind uh, behind him at, in the two hole, we got Davis Warren and and Alan Bowman, whatever, and um, you know both of them have somewhat but very brief college experience in their in their previous stops. I think I think one of the kids is from Texas Tech. I think I think it's Bowman, but you know just because they they did well or, or have experience somewhere else doesn't mean it's going to translate here. Well, you know, just look at the John O'Corn thing. That dude threw for 4,000 yards at Houston one year. I don't know how the hell he did that. Barely could hit a, hit, you know, hit water fell out of a boat in Michigan. Um, so stay healthy. I have to. You do run, run north and south. Quit running around like a madman. And then, um, yeah, of course, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, Mike Hart's, you know, glory of never fumbling the football and, and, and it trickling down into his running backs and then to go ahead and beat the table and uh, knock on wood here because C.J. Stokes ended up dropping soap there. But, but yeah, other than that, man, uh, that's it for me on the, on the don't like. <clears throat> more of, do you want to start? Yeah, uh, more, of, more of the tight ends. You know, like, like we even said earlier, again, Joel Klatt mentioned eight, seven in the coverage really getting open um, in the middle of the field there. So uh, Max Bredesen, who's really kind of stepping up quietly, uh, it's like a sure-handed tight end, pass and catch tight end. And uh, then Schoonmaker, obviously, you know, goes seven for 70-something and, and, and a touchdown, and he, he's proven already. So I think those guys are, are going to be relied on a lot here uh, in Big Ten play, and, and why not? Keep feeding them the rock. <clears throat> More of... Where is Angel Anthony? <laughs> what is I, I? I don't know what's wrong. If this dude's in the doghouse, through four games he has two catches for fourteen yards, and nine of those yards came on Saturday on one catch. This is somebody that literally exploded onto the scene last year. Nice Lansing had the game of his life. He kind of dwindled down. He had a couple of catches here and there after that, but. If I'm not mistaken, he was definitely one of the top three guys heading into the season that people had the most hype for. Non-existent. Don't know where he's at. I'm uh, a little confused as to where he is as far as on the depth chart because obviously this this team's very good at wide receiver. Ronnie Bell, um, Cornelius Johnson, the, the great Roman Wilson who's been basically the best deep throughout on the team. <laughs> Um, tight tenant, tenant usage has been great. Eric all potentially hurt AJ Henning did not. I don't think he played Saturday. Did he? Oh, he, he, yeah, he ran, he he was playing, definitely playing special teams. He was definitely playing special teams. Okay. Well, obviously like AJ Henning kind of gets worked into, but, um, for the most part, not, uh, not a whole lot there. So Andrew Anthony, where are you? Want to see more of you find your way onto the field. So, Anything else on Maryland? No, I'm good on the Terps. 
Iowa. Good old Iowa. So a couple of things I wanted to point out before we even get into this game. Um, first off, it's a rematch of the Big Ten title game. We won 42-3. So that's fun to reminisce. Um, obviously, we beat Ohio State last year. We go to Indianapolis for the first time, and Iowa's on the other side. And going into that game, obviously, I felt pretty good that Michigan had something there. But at the same time, it's like, of course, it's freaking Iowa, a team that Michigan has struggled with. But they took care of business. But I do want to point out, last time we won at Kinnick, do you know the year? I'm sure you heard it this week. It, we, we actually talked about it in prediction, I, I believe, and it was 2005. It is 2005. You're correct. Okay. Now, are you ready for this one? Go ahead. In Iowa's last six home games – Against AP top 20 or top five teams, not top 25. Their last six home games against top five teams. 2008 against number three, Penn State. 24-23 W. 2010 against number five, Michigan State. 37-6 to six W. 2016, this one hurts, against number two, Michigan. 14-13. W. 2017 against number four, Penn State. They lose 21 19. Okay, so two point game. 2017 against number three, Ohio State. This is the famous one where one of their corners, I forget his name, picked off JT Barrett. I believe it was JT, picked off somebody like three times, but they, they lost that game 55 to 24. Iowa put up a, just a slobber knocker. And then 2001, this was literally last season. Um, when I, to be fair, Iowa was ranked, and I believe in the top five of this too. This was a massive matchup, but they beat number four Penn State 23-20. Holy cow! <laughs> this is where top five teams go to die. Um, Harbaugh talked about it this week. What do you think? Yeah, man. There's that that uh, that pink painted locker room and in Kinnick Stadium, man. There is uh, there's something there, man. And, and I, I guess that's cool for for Iowa Hawkeye fans because you know, let's face it, I was obviously you know iceberg drowning, and they they occasionally get their head poked out from underneath, but they're just they're Iowa, and but they can hang their hat on on their home field advantage. Luckily for Michigan. This is at noon and it's not at night. If this is at a, a night game, I think the, the the spread, which is at eleven right now, I think that's way down low. And I think eleven even at noon, I think that's generous. Um, Vegas knows more than than what the general public does, but um, yeah, it, it's definitely spooky. And it, and it's so hard to predict because Iowa's offense is so god awful. I mean. Spencer Petros has got one passing touchdown in four games this season. That's fucking atrocious. Uh, and that game, this game is going to be super close from, uh, you know, most likely. But, but yeah, it is. Do you um, think so? Do you think it will be close? Especially even given off of what you just read off there with the top five opponents. Yeah. I mean, some of those are or more inflated scores, bigger, maybe one or two blowouts in there. But, I mean, for the most part, man, at least when it comes down to Michigan and Iowa, 
you know, it's uh, it's been a reason why we haven't won since 2005 there. Well, I will say this. Iowa is trending up. So week one, they won seven to three. And if you remember correctly, that was with two safeties. Okay. Two, week- two, two, two home runs. Two, two. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. They had two safeties in a, in a field goal. Then week two, they lose to Iowa State in a tight battle, but it was 10 7. Since then, they've scored 27 in a row. So it's 27 to 0 against Nevada and 27 to 10 against Rutgers. And now they host Michigan. So I don't see 27 out of them. Maryland got 27. I don't think they're getting 27. The question is, the lowest we've scored this year is 34. Can we get to 30 on the road in this kind of game? You know, it's it's definitely possible. Um, You know, Michigan is averaging 489 yards of offense and averaging 50 points a game. I think it's doable. The... 20s, but you no, know, Iowa is averaging 17 points a game. They're barely getting 230 yards total. Um, it's just Iowa's defense, man. I know they, I think they just lost a linebacker for the season, but they're boasting 12 sacks and five interceptions right now. And interceptions is, is what uh, is what they stick with their swagger on. Um, on their offensive side, top tight end they're gonna have a lick of a chance um spencer petrus i mean last year at the big 10 championship game um they had a lot of success with the play action bootleg if michigan could sell out and stop the run you know anything um junior colson's probably gonna lead the team in tackles again because he'd be flying all over the round all over the place in the second level um i think michigan again has a really good shot at, at scoring 30 i just think it's gonna be in the 20 somewhere for them and I think if Iowa wants to win this game, I think 20, 17 or 20 is probably the magic number for them. Man, I, I disagree. I think they need to get to 30 if they want to win this game. I, I don't see that Michigan, even on the road, is under 21. That, if we score less than 21 points... We have serious question marks. The defense, if if we lose, would you agree that it's because the defense just isn't that very good, that good, and Iowa is able to get some things going? You really think we lose because Michigan's offense struggles? I just, or is Iowa? Are you that high on Iowa's defense? Is that what it is? I'm I'm higher on I'm higher on Iowa's defense. That's what I'm saying. If if Iowa can can quiet Michigan's offense. That's the only way they have a chance. They obviously can't win in a barn burner. They can't. They can't. So if, if Iowa can keep Michigan around 17 or 20, and then they get to 20 or 21 points, I said 17 or 20. If they get to 20 or 21 points, I really think that gives them a shot. But I could be completely wrong. I'm not an expert or anything like that. But, you know, they're, they're just so one-dimensional on offense, man. And, and their tight end has got the one lone touchdown of the season. And the and the running backs, they're okay to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Michigan. I mean, we projected them to win this game before the season started. 
I've seen nothing out of Michigan or Iowa that leads me to change my mind as of now. Um, we have some over-unders by DraftKings. You want to uh, hit those? Did you write them down? I did. I didn't write them down. I wrote them down. You ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. J.J. McCarthy, pass yards. 205 and a half, over-under. Slightly. I'm gonna go under. This is a this is a game that's not gonna be one with JJ's arm. I'm going under slightly, like 190 something. Okay. JJ passing touchdowns. One and a half. Um, the over. I feel like if they drive down the field, they might ru- they might do some uh, run run action at uh, in the red zone. Kind of a just a random thought. A rocket gets involved, and maybe Roman uh, Wilson or maybe Ronnie Bell gets uh, gets loose there. Um, on a slant or something. Give me, I'll take over. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Give me the over two, because I do think two touchdowns is probably in the realm for JJ. Blake Corum, eighty-seven and a half rushing yards. If. If Donovan Edwards plays under, if out over. Don't care. Smashing the over on this. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm over, over, over. I think I think what we've seen from, from Blake this past week is a testament to what he's capable of doing. And even in this game, I don't think you need to get Donovan that involved. I think he'd almost be better suited to come out of the backfield and catch passes than he is to between the tackles in this return role. Give me Blake with 22 to 25 carries again in another showcase of Blake's skills, and I think he's well into the 150 range. Blake, 0.5 touchdowns. I think this is an easy over for me. Yeah, I think I think he for sure gets one, yeah. Yeah. Um. Cornelius Johnson, 32 and a half yards. Not a ton. I'm going to go under. Under. Oh, boy. Um, This is a tough one because, like, it almost seems like one receiver has a day per week. Oh, boy. Cornelius, 32. See, that could literally be one catch for him. I mean, he definitely has that in him. He's kind of been the big play guy in the past. Give me give me over slightly. Like a third I could see 35 yards out of him. I mean, for the season, he has Cornelius Johnson has 117. He averages 16 and a half per catch. That's two catches. He would almost need three catch. No, two catches would get that. So 
He averages 30 a game. He averages 30. Give me the over. I think this is a big game for him. We're going to need him. Give me the over. Roman Wilson, 20 and a half. I don't see how this isn't an over. Oh, yeah. That, that, this is the, I'm smashing for over. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, but Roman Wilson gets 20 yards in his sleep. I mean, yeah. this one seems really easy for me, but... Okay, we go. got the over there. Ronnie Bell, who's been much better since I put him on the need to see more of list. Um, 58 and a half yards. Give me give me the under slightly. I think I think uh, I think this I know Ronnie Bell. But I think the Roman Wilson, I think he's going to be leading the team in yards this week. But I think that um, I think Ronnie is going to be targeted a lot. I'll take. Uh, I, I think he's going to get a lot of. Man, goddamn! Just give me the under slightly. Second ago, I just told you that JJ wasn't going to have over 200 yards, but I want to hit the over on this one too. I'm not going to. I'm going to put the under as well. Um, Michigan minus 11. I know you got them winning. Do they cover the 11? Oh, I'm going to say they do not cover. No cover. What, 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 what's realistic for you? What's the score there? Seven or 10. Yeah, I think I was going to play their ass off, but it's not going to be enough. I like 28-20, and that's not a cover. I like 28-20. That seems reasonable to me. I think Iowa plays their ass off, gets the scores. Their defense holds Michigan, um, maybe forces a turnover. Maybe that's how they get some of their points. But Michigan's able to capitalize 28 points. Yeah, 28-20. I like the under two on that for Michigan. I don't think they cover. And then the over-under combined points is 42 and a half. 28, 20 is 48. I like the over. I'll take think? the under. I'll take the you, under. Really? Low scoring? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. Anything else on Iowa? No. Um, that's it, man. Again, just tell, tell me this. What, is, what has Michigan got to do to win before we before we start talking other stuff here? Um, I pointed out earlier. I think you stop Sam Laporta. You make Iowa try to beat you in the air. That's when I think it could be uh, in blowout territory. But and I was the. I'm just. I'm giving a lot of respect to their their D. Um, but yeah, I think. You make them one-dimensional, going to make you beat you with the arm. And if that is is uh, playing Ben, but don't break on D and, and running up, I don't know. I just that, – that's what I'm sticking with. <clears throat> um, For me, be the leader that this team is looking for on the field on Saturday um, needs – the voice of reason if things start to go a little south and it gets a little loud and maybe you turn the ball over once or twice 
big things out of JJ. He needs a doesn't need to throw for 300 yards, but JJ McCarthy needs to at least be that we know. Um, second thing, I think we need to see a lot of Blake Corum. I think Blake Corum needs to be the catalyst of this win. Um, really control the tempo, control the clock, control control. The you can't lose the turnover battle on the road and win a game. You can maybe do that against shitty teams. Not, not a game that you haven't won at since 2005. That's pretty much all I got for the Iowa. Ready for mailbag? Let's do it. Let's see here. Sorry, I just lost the mailbag. Um. Here we go. First question comes in from Dan, yourself. Thoughts on Pat McAfee now getting locked in on college game today? Absolutely love it. Um, Pat McAfee is... He's a breath of fresh air. He just gives everything, like, a fresh coat of paint. You know when you walk into a, a house that, you know... Maybe you, you walk into your house and you're like, man, I just need to give this room a facelift. You, you paint it, and next thing you know, your room just seems fresh. That is what Pat McAfee brings. He just gives everything the the excitement button. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he makes things fun. He makes things exciting. He gives things energy. And he gives things a, a facelift. So, yeah. What do, you, what do you think? Obviously, it's your question, but what do you think? No, I, I, I truly agree. The, um, the, he, it just seems, I'm going to say there's tension, but he just, uh, just his presence alone doesn't really allow for a dull moment. And I'm a type of person that I really, I'm really picky on where it comes to podcast shows, analysts. I really don't care for ESPN's, you know, pregame shows. That's just not my flavor, not my style. So when it comes down to Pat McAfee's show, I like watching some of his interviews. I don't necessarily like to listen to the show, not because I don't like him, but it's, I like to listen to the show when I hear like one or two people talking. And when you have like this entourage of yip yapping going on, like four guys and like like the part of the production crew, I just don't yeah. dig it. But I like Pat McAfee by himself. I'd, I'd rather have his show just be him and AJ Hawk and no one else. But um, definitely. And even though as much as the Corso has been kind of cringe over the last like five, six years, I think even when he's sitting next to Lee Corso, I think there's like that cool playful banter back and forth. And it kind of, kind of mellowed that, that, uh, that cringe out for me uh, regarding uh, coach. So um, yeah, man, it definitely, that's why I brought it up, man. It, it's it's yeah. definitely have a nice, have a young face there. <clears throat> Uh, Jamie writes in, is anyone outside of the top four a lock for the playoffs? I'll answer this with a caveat. Clemson currently fifth. If they go undefeated, I think they're probably a lock. Would you agree with that? If they go undefeated, just to put them in, to not put them in. Yeah. Um, Southern Cal, USC, if they go undefeated, they would still have to play Notre Dame and Utah. Are they a lock? 
Um, no, because I think that Washington is going to be something to look out for at the end. They beat Washington, though. They're undefeated. No, Washington. Washington's undefeated. But I'm saying if USC goes undefeated. Oh, oh okay. I see what you're saying. Hypoth- we're playing hypotheticals here. Right. Because no, I'm, no, trying no, to answer, I'm trying to answer Jamie's question with a caveat because I don't think anybody can be a lock unless they're undefeated. And we have to first put them in that preface. Does that make sense? It's, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. You're good. So if, if USC is undefeated, do you think they're in? It's very hard to not leave out a, a Power Five conference champion with the prestige that either Clemson or South or Southern Cal has. So yeah, definitely, yeah, you know. And then you run into this issue: Georgia, Alabama, Kentucky, Tennessee. They're all in the top eight. I'm going to keep going here because I think there's another one: Old Miss. And that's it. Those are all SEC teams that are currently 4-0 and undefeated. If any of those teams goes undefeated in the SEC, they're a lock. Period. Would you agree? Any SEC team that goes undefeated is in. Okay. Um, NC State. If they were able to go undefeated and beat Clemson, they play Clemson this weekend. Would they be a lock? I don't. I don't. I don't know. It depends on how they would do it because NC State kind of like that that tier two type of school. They're definitely a tier two. I would uh, um, maybe even a tier three actually. That 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 might they they might be uh, they might have their hearts broken to be honest. Yeah. Um. Penn State undefeated wise would probably be a lock. Washington. Let's talk Washington. They go undefeated. They beat Utah. They beat um, USC. Are they in? I think so. They, they've yes. been in before. They've been in before. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Florida State out of the ACC, if they were to potentially run the table, go undefeated, they would have wins against Clemson. I'm guessing NC State, LSU, are they in? I believe they will. And Again, that just with the name. Let's see. The thing we're, is, so, so we're playing super hypothetical here. All right, right. I, I think they have definitely a shot. They got to play uh, Wake Forest, which is ranked. They got to play at North Carolina State, which is top ten. They got to play Clemson. They have to play um, at Syracuse, which will not be easy either. And then they have Florida the last game of the year. So if they run that gauntlet there. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I'm doing your question justice, Jamie, because the only true locks for the playoffs, truly, is one of these three teams, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. One of the three of them is 100% in, period. I mean, that's just it's kind of how college football is. It's You can basically, let's chalk it up this way. The winner of Georgia-Bama, is in the playoffs. The winner of Ohio State, Michigan, is in the playoffs. Unless something catastrophic happens to those top four, they're probably going to the playoffs. Um, the team that I think everybody needs to look out for is the Southern California USC. I think that they have a lot of upside because they what they do offensively, the play calling, um, they're not going to play a ton of really good teams. They still have, like you said, Washington, Notre Dame, 
Um, Utah to still play. If they win those, holy shit. I mean, they might mm-hmm. be some. I'm not saying they're winning the Natty, but should they be a lock for the playoffs? I I would think so. Mm-hmm. I would think so. Um, Andrew writes in. This is a long one, so get ready here. I think it needs to be acknowledged how big of a week this is in college football. So many top 25 and even top 10 matchups. Some even unranked but with zero to one losses going up against top teams. A lot of conference rankings will be clearly shown this Saturday. I cannot remember the first week in October meaning so much across the board. And then he gives some games. You ready? Yeah. Undefeated number 15, Washington on the road at number four, or I'm sorry, at UCLA four and on the year. That's a big game. Kentucky number seven in the, in the country four and on the road at Mississippi Ole Miss. Also 4-0, number 14 in the country. Michigan, 4-0, number four on the road at Iowa, a place they haven't won since 2005. Number 18, Oklahoma, on the road at 3-0 TCU. More, more games here. If, by the way, go ahead. Let's, any of those games that jump out to you, Washington at UCLA, Kentucky at Mississippi, Michigan at Iowa, we already talked about Oklahoma at TCU. Any of those four games jump out? Yeah, I'm, the Kentucky Ole Miss game, 100%. The SEC, as much as people want to give them, you know, about, you know, the Austin PA at the second to last part of the, the schedule, the, these next, like, four weeks in the UFC, or the UFC, the SEC is going to be absolutely huge because one is going to be beating the hell out of each other to fight for their spots in their divisions. It's going to be huge. This game is going to be absolutely huge. That one jumps out first. Not so much watching UCLA. I know UCLA is undefeated. I think UCLA is is um, is a very bad four zero. I know, you know. I just think Washington right there. I think they were run them off the gym or run them out of the out of the stadium. And you know, I'll take that as a, as a hot take if you want to call it that. I think Washington kills them, but um, but yeah, those two. Uh, I had a comment on. <clears throat> Are you are you high on Washington after what you've seen them do these last couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean they're firing on all cylinders. And Penix Jr. right now, or as RG three likes to say, Big Penix uh, energy. Um, I, I just I'm, I'm all, I, I actually like them more than USC. USC, um, I think struggled to get the 17 points this past weekend, or if I'm or am I mistaken? They did. Texas? No, they did. Okay, okay. so. USC, uh, you know, really clicks on offense, and I'll change my mind. But uh, I'm just, I'm just signing the Huskies, man. Last, last year, they had a good defense. Michigan beat them, and what uh, the difference on that that game was to me was the lack of quarterback play from from uh, from those Huskies. So now that I have their answer, why not? Why not the W? Um. Oregon State coming off a home loss to USC this past week. They traveled to Utah. Both teams are three and one. Alabama four and zero on the year, traveling to Arkansas. They're twentieth in the country, and they're three and one. Oklahoma State number nine in the country, three and zero. They're traveling to Baylor, number sixteen. Baylor, they're three and zero. Any of those games stand out? Um, definitely the Bama Arkansas game. Quick. This weekend at Arkansas. Bama is favored by seventeen and a half. Yeah, they're favored by seventeen and a half. Then, then they play Texas A&M. Then they travel to Tennessee. 
and then they have Mississippi State before they travel to Baton Rouge. So I think no, they have a gauntlet. They have five tough games. So, and then after the LSU is Ole Miss at Ole Miss, I think within these next six games for Bama, I think they're going to be. I think they could lose at least one of those games. So is this weekend going to be the game they lose, or is it going to be at Tennessee? So I'm keeping an eye on the Crimson Tide because if they lose, they, they I mean, then that's when the top four is like, okay, does that mean OSU now leapfrogs them? Does that mean they only go to two and Georgia moves up? So, yeah. Number 22, Wake Forest, three. Sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to, Sorry, I didn't interrupt you. I want to be correct. Bama's two. So that means, like, would Michigan or Ohio State leapfrog? I apologize. Georgia's one, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew what you meant. Number 22, Wake Forest, 3-1 and one on the year, travels to undefeated Florida State, 4-0 and on the year. They're 23rd in the country. Uh, and then number 10, NC State, 4-0, and travels to Clemson, number 5 in the country, also 4-0. and um, That's where college game day is going to be at this weekend. That's a big one. Um, mm-hmm. NC State beats Clemson. Wow. Wow. Um, the winner of the... This game probably wins the ACC. So this is a huge, this is a huge game. Um, any of those games jump out. Obviously, probably NC State, Clemson. Probably because we were just talking about them, about the locks and everything like that. NC State, you know, could make a huge case, strong argument if beat Clemson and Clemson turns out to put a decent year at the end of the season. So that may, it, may, it bodes well for the Wolfpack. Um, so you're right. This game probably could decide the conference. Um, he follows up. This is Andrew. He follows up with pretenders and contenders. I think you gave two. You gave a pretender in UCLA. You gave a contender with Washington. Anybody else that's kind of on your radar are those two that kind of pop out right away. And this is just being 4-0, right? Yeah, that's – I mean, he says at 4-0. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll probably stick with those. Um, Florida, it's been a while since Florida State has been on top, so find out weekend maybe uh, if if they're pretending uh, or if they're for real. But yeah, I think those, I think those are, I think those are good. Um, I'm not, I don't know about Penn State yet, but, but yeah, that's what I got. <clears throat> um, for me. Only because I feel like every couple of years this happens. I I need to see more from Tennessee before I crown them. That's a team that everybody's already kind of on their bandwagon. You know, Tennessee is um they're they're a team that has a lot of history. They've been good for a, a long time, but they haven't been good in a long time at the same token. So um they're a team I'm kind of questioning. Um, other four knows. Uh, not that I think they're a pretender by any means, but you kind of talked about it, and I think there's definitely a possibility there. Is Alabama on the verge of a potential down season? Are they able to just walk through those five games that's in that stretch un- untouched? That seems unlikely to me. But then again, if they do, they're as good as they've ever been. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Tennessee is off this week, by the way, but they come back to play at LSU, so that'll be fun for them. Um, 
LSU's only losses to Florida State. They've played decent ball. Um, Death Valley at night is never a place that you want to mess with. Um, and Florida State, they're not, I don't really know there's any contenders that are the ones that we don't already talk about. But I do like uh, I do like Kentucky at that range. But Florida State's another one. Not saying they're a pretender, but need to see a little bit more. And they do have a big game coming up the following week. So week five, um, they play NC State. So if NC State beats Clemson and then Florida State goes undefeated and beats NC State, they automatically are in the driver's seat. So back-to-back huge games for NC State, back-to-back huge games for the ACC. I don't know. There's a lot there. Last question from Brad. Thanks for writing in, Brad. Um, college football this year does this make this year and kind of feel does this make this year and next feel kind of like a letdown he says like the fact that one or two losses kills a team's chances so i'll start real quick because i've always been really passionate about this topic first off it doesn't kill the sport because the sport is most people yourself me 95% 95% of people that watch college football, they're pretty traditionalists and kind of understand that this is how the sport's always been. And it is moving in a better direction. Even the four team playoffs is better than what it used to be with the mm. BCS computer system of picking two. Then my biggest, my biggest critique on college football has always been that in no sport are you eliminated from the championship with a single loss. It just, it's not, there's no room for error. You know, there's teams that, you know, Michigan made the tournament last year, the NCAA tournament. I think they were 18 and 12. Like they had 12 losses. Yeah. Like, like legitimately there needs to be a room for error. The team that won the Super Bowl last year were the Rams. I think they lost six games. They were the best team on the planet. For that season, they lost like six games. Teams lose. It is part of football. Michigan could potentially lose in Iowa this weekend. It's something they've done a lot, and unfortunately, they haven't won there a lot. Does that ruin their chances for the the title? Probably. Should it? No, it shouldn't, Brad. I mean, that's that's my short answer. Does it ruin this season and next? Absolutely not. College football is still great. There's still a lot of really good teams. We just listed them all that are all 4-0. They have a chance. And the easy choice is if you don't want somebody to determine your season, don't let them. Right. It sucks, but that's the case. Anything you want to add on that? Take it away. No, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it, you can't take anything away from this season or next, but if we did have uh, a 12 team playoff this year, boy, oh boy, would, would you want to get your popcorn ready? Because, even these top 15 teams from Washington to Georgia, man, all these teams are super exciting and it's a young season. So there's a lot of question marks. Um, so right now it feels really, uh, really exciting and everything like that. Um, so, <clears throat> I mean, again, yeah, you're right. I'm a traditionalist and I'm not all for, you know, tearing down this conference to build this other one up. I'm not about it. We talked about it over the summer, but um, you know, my eyes will 
will get wide open. It'll will we'll beam when I see a 12 team playoff, regardless, just because, you know, there'll be endless possibilities. <clears throat> if I'm not mistaken, the 12 team playoff is all five power five champions. And then five at large, seven at large, right? Some, yeah, I, I don't know off the top of my head. Exactly. <clears throat> it's, it's something weird, but I already see, um, for those that are caring about this, Aaron Judge just hit his 61st home run for the Yankees just now. But as we're still talking, the problem that I already see, if this was the, the first year of the 12 team playoffs, one, Two, three, four, five. There are five undefeated SCC teams in the top 14. In the top 14. So hypothetically speaking, let's remove the last one. I mean, a quarter of the top 12 is SCC undefeateds. Yeah. Are you are you okay with a quarter of it being undefeated, or uh, I'm sorry, a quarter of it being SEC? I'm guessing a lot of people are not. But here's what I would like: this top six is filthy: Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, USC. Holy shit! <clears throat> that is real good football right there. And then. Kentucky having an up year, Tennessee having an up year, Oklahoma State back to where they were last year. That's a team that, in my opinion, is probably going to battle to finish this season right there. Um, NC State, Penn State, Utah, Oregon, Old Miss, Washington that you're high on, Baylor, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, a lot of those teams on the outside looking in. Lots of football to be played. 12 teams is the way to go. But are people going to start complaining when three or four of them are SEC? I feel like people always complain about something, but I don't mm. think the sports to answer Brad's question. I don't think the sports dead. Um, matter of fact, a, as of last year, I thought it was, I mean, you got Cincinnati and Michigan in the top four. Those are two teams that historic, historically speaking, haven't had a, a championship opportunity in 10 plus years. So mm. no, I, I, I think it's fine. And Georgia just won the NCAA championship for the first time in like 20 years. So yeah. I don't know. I understand what Brad's saying, but the sports in really good hands. It's really good right now. Um, anything else? No. Um, on everything, uh, other than, I mean, Oh, and like, like Andrew, everyone, we all have this excitement. We got a lot of big games coming up this weekend, and and we had a lot of big games even last weekend. And yep. you know, you know, Josh Gaddis, obviously Michigan's offensive coordinator from last year, uh, is now down in Miami, and they get run out of their own field by Middle Tennessee State. So, out of all the excitement there, there was a lot of unhappy Hurricanes fans. So I just thought I, I'd share that real quick because I have a lot of family down there that are Miami Hurricanes fans and. You know, a lot of people were questioning Jim Harbaugh, um, his motives of, of testing the NFL, and did it or did or did it not lead to to Gaddis, you know, looking for another job? Um, burned that he wasn't getting the the head coaching gig after Jim left. Is that why? You know, 
But whatever his motivations were, he's he's probably wishing he was in Ann Arbor still because that was an ugly game. And then obviously what made my weekend even better was Michigan State getting their ass kicked by Minnesota. And so that, that was another thing where I mentioned earlier where I'm really uh, looking forward to watching Maryland hopefully do the same thing to the Spartans. <clears throat> Is Tuck still coming? Oh, my God. Uh, I, I hope I hope they go 0 12, man. I really do, and um, I hope we kick the shit out of them because, goddamn, oh boy, Lord knows we need to. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, oh, and and one final one final thing. Uh, I want to say one final thing because I, I always I always like remember something. But you know the funny thing over the over last weekend was okay. So Michigan had the 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 big noon kickoff, and uh, that little weasel. That little worm, Urban Meyer, is now back on uh, on the broadcast or whatever. And someone tweeted out that was in the Michigan media saying that he was being escorted around the sidelines by three Michigan police officers. And uh, they were there to protect certain demographic in the stands rather than Urban Meyer himself walking along on the sidelines. So I thought that was kind of funny. But, uh, God, I just I, I can't stand how that, that dude just – he just walks around with his nose in the air in Ann Arbor, and I get, I get it. He's got success beating him, whatever. But, uh, God, I understand why how this dude keeps landing jobs, landing gigs. I love how they have the audacity to not allow a single Urban Meyer sign on Big oh, Noon kickoff. That was another thing. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm like, really? Come on, dude. How soft? How soft? If you cannot allow an Urban Meyer sign on your show on Big Noon Kickoff, don't have him on your panel, period. I understand there's maybe some that you need to say, ah, we're not going to allow that one today. Maybe it takes you a little too far. Or maybe it's not for young eyes or whatever. But I'm sorry. Like, come on. That's soft. We're getting soft in 2022. We truly are. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. I think that's a wrap. Anything else? Um, other than, you know, after Michigan state, I, I'm good, buddy. Yeah. We need a big win this weekend. First time since 2005. Go blue. Go blue, bud. All right. We're out. Real talk. <laughs>